Welcome to the Elk Talk Podcast with Randy Newberg and Corey Jacobson. Presented by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. The goal is what little you and I know about elk hunting, we share with people. I've got an elk building, it's like 120 yards away, what do I do? First off, the thought would never cross my mind when an elk being 120 yards away to call anybody on a cell phone. <laughs> All elk. All the time. Only elk. Only elk. Well, it's us having conversations. So we usually go down some rabbit holes. But if you hunt with Corey Jacobson, you will find the landscape is full of rabbit holes. We're just going to make this up as we go. And you look at it like, oh, that's a target-rich environment. But if you're trying to single one out, a solo target there is much easier to go into than a, a big group. We record everything, so there's no BS and no lying, no faking it with us. <laughs> Did we hit the record I button? I forgot to hit the record <laughs> button. If you want to know something about elk hunting, this probably isn't the podcast to listen to. <laughs> Should we give them a list of all the other podcasts wow. where they might learn something? <laughs> The Elk Talk Podcast is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, ensuring the future of elk, other wildlife, their habitat, and our hunting heritage. To become a member, go to rmef.org. And the podcast is also brought to you by OnX Maps. And with OnX Maps, you can know where you stand with the most accurate hunting GPS tech on the market with land ownership maps that work offline. Go to onxmaps.com and use promo code ELKTALK and you're going to save 20% when you sign up for an app membership at onxmaps.com. The podcast is also brought to you by Gerber. Uh, go to gerbergear.com and learn about the knives, the vital, the big game vital, the Gator Premium, all the things that we use when we're out in the woods and not just knives, but also some really cool multi-tools that they have. We're also proud to partner with Sitka Gear. And if you go to sitkagear.com, you'll see their full line of clothing. And their tagline is turning clothing into gear. And they are doing that through advanced technology that allows you to stay in the field longer, hunt harder, and stay safer. The Elk Talk podcast is also brought to you by GoHunt.com. Uh, go to GoHunt.com and sign up for the Insider. Um, the, the insider is changing how haunts and hunting information are found. No doubt about that. Use promo code ELKTALK, and when you do, when you sign up for the insider, you're going to get $50 of store credit, mad money, in their gear shop. And we are also brought to you by Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls. And Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls is the original designer and inventor of the pallet plate diaphragm that's completely changed the way elk calls are made and used. And to find out more and to order your elk calls, go to RockyMountainHuntingCalls.com or BuglingBull.com and use promo code ELKTALK and you're going to save 15% on all of your elk calls and elk call accessories. And with that, Corey... We are ready to get into it. Let's jump into it. Well, folks, we're here in Park City, Utah at Rocky Mountain Oak Foundation's Elk Camp and Mountain Festival. And uh, Corey and I are trying to figure out just which of the multitude of great Elk Foundation partners who are here we should have on the podcast. <laughs> and we said, well, that's easy. Let's go get Kurt from Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls. So, Kurt, you were the first one selected here. Well, 
That's quite a privilege. <laughs> <laughs> really, everybody else just you, turned us down. I, I believe I was going to say, no. you may find out before this is done, you made a, a bad mistake. <laughs> uh, no, we appreciate you taking the time to come and visit with us. You guys are a huge supporter of the Elk Foundation, who is a big supporter of the podcast. Absolutely. And I think, Corey, you've known this company for maybe a year or two or yeah, a I, lifetime or yeah, two. Yeah, I, I heard about them, you know, uh, several years ago and just thought, I I want to be involved with that company. <laughs> Actually, it was the uh, the old 1970s TV trays in our living room mounted up with aluminum frames for diaphragm calls and my dad sitting there watching TV putting calls together until 10 o'clock at night every night that kind of forced me to be involved. <laughs> <laughs> so anyone who's not making, connecting the dots that Corey's laying out there, his dad, Rocky, founded this company. Am I right in saying that? You are that? right. Founded and, it, started it. And, yeah. And Corey became one of the indentured servants, free child labor. So I, I can't say that. I, I have never personally built an entire diaphragm call in my life. Really? Wow. And I intend to keep it that way. You just punched out the pieces <laughs> or stretched the legs? Not even that. No, I just, I mean, every once in a while I would you know, do something, but I've never been involved in the process of building diaphragm calls. I've used them. Yes, Time you have. It's, it's like taxidermy. My dad was a taxidermist too. Oh, really? I yeah. didn't know that. And he yeah. tried forever to get me to flesh bear hides. And I said, no way. I'll let you mount my animals, but I am not, not getting involved in the process. So. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So, Kurt, you're, you are uh, in charge of the operation there in Kamiya, Idaho. Kamiya, Idaho. That's right. Uh, yeah. On a day-to-day -day basis, uh, good, bad, or indifferent, and huh? those decisions fall on my shoulders oh so you were uh how long ago was it and i in my mind i'm thinking five six years ago you came on as the general manager the gm actually uh position Corey was three and a half years ago oh, well you've done such a good job it seems like it's been five or six <laughs> yeah no obviously i've been involved with the company i was national sales longer, manager yeah. from uh june of uh 2011 until i took the gm position three and a half years ago yeah yeah. For that, you did what I do. You produced a little content. You, you were a moose guide in Newfoundland. You, you've done it all. Yeah. Kurt, well, uh, Kurt's the most interesting man in the industry. <laughs> no. we, we should be playing no, that no, music no, no. to the Dos no, no, commercial. No. The most interesting man. No, but there, that, 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 would, that would maybe bridge the gap for those that don't know why all of a sudden Kurt Howard was the sales manager for Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls. Uh, when I did produce my own television show, we had a program in the um, mid-2000s till about 2010 uh, called Explorer's Big Game Journal. Uh, at the time, Bugling Bull Game Calls was uh, a sponsor. Okay. And I met Rocky um, through that relationship, and he became a co-host, and uh, uh, we, we got a friendship started from that. And uh, when... Um, the lifeblood of that endeavor was sponsorship money and the economy and the America decided to change the purse springs of several key sponsors of our program. <laughs> we were at a crossroads uh, of what to do and, and I chose to um, step away from that. And uh, one of my ex-partners, Rex Summerfield, is still a very active TV producer in the industry. Uh, I chose not to and uh, 
Rocky then, um, shortly thereafter, approached me about working with him directly for the company. And I was, became very familiar with the products and using them and, and was a huge fan. Um, it, it turned me into an elk caller somewhat uh, now I'm, not, I'm, I'm in I'm presence of greatness here i'm not no, uh, over to that side how about it my calling skills made me a competent elk hunter how about that um but anyway it was just a, a cool fascinating connection i'm i got all kinds of business successes and failures in my past and it one thing led to another and here i sit talking to you guys as the GM Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls. Uh-huh. And there's, uh, I don't know, if now's probably good as time as any to, to talk about it, but there's been some other significant changes. Uh, you know, your involvement in national sales and then GM. And I think, you know, from, from my standpoint, and I'm very close to the company, maybe not close to the inside doings of the company because I've never been involved on the business side of it. But when my parents, you know, are the owners of a business... I got to know Kurt really well as the GM and, and saw firsthand the change in the business side of it. Now, from a, from a development and technical standpoint and invention standpoint, my dad's a genius. Absolutely. I mean, that's absolutely. And for those that maybe don't know, he designed the pallet plate diaphragm back in 1993, 1994, somewhere in there, got a patent on it, uh, sold the patent to Primos. Primos' whole pallet plate diaphragm line stemmed from that patent and dad maintained the rights to continue to produce that through that patent. And so from that standpoint, there's been a lot of really cool uh, products that I've seen, some that have made it on the shelf, some that haven't. Most of them started with Bondo. And <laughs> for those of you who have never had a product with Bondo inside your mouth, um, there may be help. <laughs> detriments to that <laughs> possibly but, but most most of those uh, designs started with bondo and yeah. an idea and uh, there's been some really great ones the uh the downside to it was the business side and that's something you know my dad was a logger he was um an outfitter and to take it to that next level was tough i remember we were we were hunting with a friend one time and i think i may have been in college or shortly after that and it was at, the, at a time where the business was in every little ma and pop. You know, there, there were calls in all the little gas stations and grocery stores from the Oregon coast to Montana because dad got in the truck and would just drive and stop at every one and demonstrate the calls and give them six of them to try to sell. And, mm-hmm. and uh, we were hunting and, and with a friend who was a very successful businessman on a big level. And dad was just complaining, I can't get the calls in any chains. I can't get it in Sportsman's Warehouse. And that was the big one for him at the time. And... Uh, the friend just said, well, you need to try again. And dad said, I've tried eight times and I've gotten nowhere. And he said, we haven't tried nine times yet. And that oh, stuck right. with me. I mean, just it really, that was his thing was you can't give up on this. And I think that's what Kurt brought in was the connections and the drive to be able to take it. And, you know, there were, there were things that happened that helped it grow from there. But when Kurt stepped in that growth on a huge business level just uh, was noticeable. And so I'll, I'll let you explain, Kurt, from there what's, what, uh, what's transpired. Well, like I mentioned earlier, guys, I, I started um, early on in life with an opportunity to kind of start my own, my own thing. And I did, uh, uh, did that based upon the retail side of stuff. 
So coming to Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls and being on the other side, the manufacturing side, and then trying to work the distribution, I was able to flip around as a guy that had done retail for the better part of 20 years and understand there is a language, if you will, or um, maybe it's an unspoken language, but there's some things that you have to, some criteria that has to be met to be able to uh, have a conversation with the guys that control uh, the, the peg space, if you will, in those big box stores. Um, and with that, I was able to devise a plan, um, a determination to, uh, to take the product, knowing that the product full well was yep. worthy of anything out there. Um, that was not an obstacle. The obstacle was to break those barriers with those guys that didn't see us uh, relative. Yeah. And, and there's some business things that, that uh, or parts of that conversation that aren't about the product and to know how to communicate to those guys because they used to communicate back to me. Yeah. And, and, and it just, it kind of all fell into place. But, but I wanna, I wanna, I wanna remind, remind you guys of something that's, that's very unique. We're sitting together having this podcast today in July of two, or 2019. Yeah. You talked earlier about the patent, Corey. This is the 25-year anniversary <laughs> this month oh, really? of the pallet plate diaphragm. It was patented in July of... of um, 94. 94. Huh. When 20, I ran into Grant Foster yesterday, who was the, the guy who wrote the patent, yeah. and actually the guy who defended the patent in Correct. court when Primos had it. And uh, yeah. So yeah, just a lot of... Great, yeah. And just your dad great. tells a story about how he's probably one of the best patent attorneys in the United States. And when your dad and Will put a deal together, your, your dad didn't realize it, but he had worked with Grant to get the patent. Yep. And when Primos and the guys bought it, Grant with, went, went with, with the patent. Yep. So any endeavor- And Grant couldn't, couldn't represent my dad no. in that dealing because he was representing Primos right. in the dealing because Primos wanted him to be with them. Yes. And, wow. Yeah. And, and, and it was, it, it was uh, unfortunate moving forward for Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls, several different ideas your dad has come with over the years to not have his services. Yeah. We've got a good guy now, but, uh, but yeah, there's a little story with that as yeah. well. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I wonder if the people listening to this, because every hunter I know says, I need to invent this, or I've thought about this, and, <laughs> and I need to make a business of it. Corey, you watching your parents struggle through this, and Kurt, you having bootstrap businesses, you're, you would probably laugh if someone came to you and said, oh, I want to start a whatever XYZ hunting business. It'd be one of those if you only <laughs> knew, luck. right? Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've had that conversation with a guy or two. Um, yeah. Not that I discourage anybody. You know, it's all hard work and determination. But there's there's a learning curve and a whole amount of uh, information out there that to the entrepreneur that sometimes they don't they don't have privilege of knowing at the beginning, and it can. Yeah. It can be discouraging, like yeah. you talked about. You know, even your dad in the beginning. I know it's eight times, but well, try nine. Yep. Were yep. you? Did you knock on the door the ninth time, Kurt? Was that you? Um, or tenth or I guess time? you know I wouldn't have kept track, Randy. I'm not smart enough to know when to quit. <laughs> um, to me, I look at it where take somebody like Corey, for instance, who who can be competitive on a stage and 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 with the elk calling, and there's a 
there's a performance element in that in the fact that there's people watching and you're having to perform uh, your skill for judging and people judge you whether they're part of the judging panel or the, the, the audience. audience but so for me uh successful steps in a business is my competition that's what i that's what i turn it into that and so i hmm. i don't want somebody to tell me no if I don't feel like their answer is good enough. Uh, it's okay to tell me no if I understand why it's a no. And I'm like, because if they say, well, we'll own, the no is because you brought me something red and I wanted it green. That's okay. Mm -hmm. I'll come back to you tomorrow with something red. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's kind of what it was about. I just, I just look at individual victories within what we're doing and um, count them as blessings each time we make a one more positive step and that's kind of a motivator to what's the next one. <laughs> yeah. one, one thing, and this is uh, as a CPA of 30 years and getting to watch a lot of successful business people bootstrap it and, and somehow make it go. They would all be really good elk hunters, whether they hunted or didn't, because they don't give up. They, it, it, like you said, okay, you wanted red? I'll bring you red tomorrow. Okay. 12 times, 13, however many times I got to knock on your door. And I think there's a lot about business and hunting of you learn how to deal with failure. You learn how to deal with things that were maybe out of your control, but somehow how do I adapt rather than just blame it on the thing I can't control? It's like the wind. The wind's yeah. out of our control, but yeah. we can control how we use the wind. And, and yes. so, yeah, it's same, yeah. so many principles. Yeah, right? and yeah. so I would say every successful small business owner I know would have been a great elk hunter just because they don't give up. Yeah. And, and most of them didn't even give themselves an option for failure. It's just that you'd say, well, what's plan B? I don't have plan B. I yeah. got to make this work. Yep. Yeah, I'm not and, a plan B guy. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm just going to rework plan A until plan A fits, fits well, so the bill. You, you, know, you use the red-green example of, hey, I brought you something red. You want something green? I'll bring that back. There's also another way to do that. And that's convinced them that they need red. And yeah. that's, you know, explain to them, educate them on that. And I think there's a lot of that that goes on. People give up too early. And if they don't believe in a product or have a product they believe in or are passionate about enough to be able to say, listen, I know that this is different. This is something that's going to be completely different on your shelf, but here is why it's going to work. And explain to them and as I say the word explain like it's a one-time conversation. It might be a three-year explanation right, that, right. that they need, but there's a, you just can't give up. No matter what your path is forward, you can't, can't stop. No, not at all. And it's like I say, I just count each one of those uh, different places. We've been able to place calls as a victory. I, 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 uh, I place every time we introduce a new call to the market that's successful as a victory, but one of the coolest victories of all is like an event like this, coming up and seeing the cell phone pictures of elk or people telling you that your product was not the reason, but just a part yeah. of what made them successful. Yep. And though that is, that is just the most awesome part of it. It really is. And knowing that we make a phenomenal product um, that people want to have in their arsenal is another just a, just a happy moment yeah yeah and there is a a a level of quality that has to be there for a product you know the, you, you see people that develop a product that's phenomenal 
and they're terrible marketers or terrible business people, and nobody ever knows about it. And then you see somebody that, you know, puts lipstick on a pig and go and sell it to anybody. Yeah. And there's that side of it. But having a high quality product that is marketed the right way, it starts speaking for itself. Yeah. I mean, just through those people coming up and showing you those pictures and being able to, to share in their success yeah. is a huge. And when it's, when it's a product that um, is a part of your life, that whether you were in the business, making, manufacturing, selling it, would still be a part of your life if you'd made your living somewhere else, because yeah. it would be mine, guys. I'm telling you. <laughs> if I, I'm fortunate and I'm blessed every day to work for Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls and work with everything that goes with that. But if I was a CPA, for instance, Randy, I'd still be an elk hunter. Yeah. And so I get to, I get to do what I love. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And that going back to the quality product, I can remember telling my dad, I think it was after high school and I had left the house because I probably couldn't have told him that while I still lived in the house. <laughs> Calculated on your him, part. If I find a better diaphragm call that's not made by you, I'm going to use it. I am going to use the best product. And I don't know if he ever took that as any kind of motivation to keep making better products, but I can honestly say I've had every kind of a diaphragm elk call in my mouth. And there are a lot of good products out there. There are. But when it comes to a quality product that I need to be able to rely on, I, I'm still here. Yeah. Well, I think, I think at its core, you, you said it earlier, your dad is insane about his, his inventive juices. Yep. You give him a project and he just focuses. And he, <laughs> give he, him a toothpick and a bottle uh, of Bondo. And, <laughs> and, and, and he can take a sandwich bag and a spring and come up with something. But, but uh, again... Um, he never, in my experience with him, now obviously he spent many more years, never tried to create a product just to sell it. Yeah, never. He only focused on something that he would truly only take in the woods to trust to get him an elk. Yeah. Or to make something better that wasn't quite, quite fit right. in the bill and, yeah. and working the but way it But it was should. still always focused around um, the performance of that product. Yeah. Yeah, and that was... That was, that's what makes it so easy to tell the story yeah. about the call, whether it's a first introduction to somebody about, hey, here's Rocky Mountain hunting calls. You may not have heard or seen it, but mm. I don't have to worry about <laughs> backing up what we're talking about, you know, when we're talking about the product. Do, do you yeah. think in today's world, so many products get, I'll call it commoditized, where it's like, oh, just give me one of those. And people really don't take time to think about what went into it the design, the features, the, because you, you lay every call out there, if we're talking diaphragm calls or we're talking bugle tubes or whatever, I think a lot of people are like, yeah, that'll do. But uh, I wonder, is there just, uh, do you, is part of the job uh, more information out there, which Corey can give the world lecture on every little intricacy of a call so that people can, can make the decision based on the best information. And Kurt, I know you're confident. Like, bring them on. <laughs> if people have the information, they're going to end up with our call. Uh, one of the things that's interesting, I think you guys will find interesting, is when I took the GM position, I had a relationship with a, a gentleman named Mike Matley. And I met Matt, Mike back in my television days when he was the national sales manager for most of all of Pradco brands. Mm-hmm. The fishing Mike, stuff. Yeah, yeah, Pradco was fishing, but he was their hunting categories. Oh, okay. So it was companies like Night Rifles and Night and Hail Game Calls, uh, Summit Tree Stands, and those brands that Pradco represented. 
But I got to know Mike through that, uh, that endeavor, and I knew he had a skill set that was amazing when it comes to marketing and stuff. And that was one of the areas that I knew something about, but I knew that it wasn't my genius, if you will, and I wanted to surround my people or surround myself with people that had geniuses in areas that I didn't to be able to fulfill what I wanted from my position with Rocky Mountain. And to speak to what you just said, Randy, Mike is a Midwestern, Southern Iowa Iowa guy that is an absolute beast of a whitetail killer. But people really don't know that part of Mike. He's very humble. But he's got a trophy room that would, it would blow you away with big, big whitetails. But what I'm getting at, Mike is a whitetail guy through and through. So when you throw an elk product at him, he sees it differently than we do Hmm. because it's not his thing. So Mike brings an element to Rocky Mountain hunting calls that he can ask those questions that we as elk guys probably just take it as a a given, if you will. Take it for granted. I'll I'll tell a little story on Mike real quick. And and this goes back to um, when he worked with Bradco and he worked with Knight and Hale. Knight and Hale had come up and I I don't know the the years and that thing, that's irrelevant. But Knight and Hale had created a, a bugle tube and they had never put one on the market. And they sent one to Mike and he got it. He opened it up. He looked at it. He said, okay, elk bugle. He blew into it. He blew into it. He blew into it. He got on the phone. He called up the guys at Night and Hell. He says, this thing's a piece of junk. It doesn't work. <laughs> they, 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 they said, what do you mean? It doesn't work. He says, it doesn't sound like an elk. I'm blowing into it till I'm blue in the face. It doesn't sound like an elk. They said, well, what diaphragm are you using? He says, what's a diaphragm? <laughs> so there's where Mike can bring a perspective that we wouldn't even think of. Yeah. We see an elk bugle, call it a grunt tube, call it a bugle tube, call it what you will. It's just instant. Given, you have to have a diaphragm. Yeah, I mean, you don't, even, you don't think there's any other way to do it. And, and so when we work together on new stuff and, and where we're headed, he brings that side to Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls that's very, very valuable to where we're at and where we're going to go. Answering every question, yeah. making no assumptions. Uh, and yeah. sometimes I tease him about being negative Nelly. I'm like, Mike, every time I come up with an idea, you have a way to tell me and kick me in the gut a little bit about, well, I didn't think about that because, you know, that's something that I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought about. Yeah. yeah. That's great. So, so, so tell us, I, I maybe earlier wasn't the time to answer the question, but there's been a change within the, the business of Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls recently that... That there I think is. Uh, there was an announcement, but a lot of listeners probably may not know. Right, but. if they don't read the regular press releases yeah. in the outdoor industry or something, they might know. But yeah, I assume you're speaking to the change in ownership of the company, Corey. Uh, no, I was actually talking about the new Sitka subalpine covers that oh, we're putting okay. on the bugle too. <laughs> okay, well, I can talk about that too. <laughs> wow, I let that cat out of the bag there. Oh, I, I didn't think that we were ready to announce that, but I oh. guess I guess you let it out well, now. It's on the Elk Talk podcast, so it's official. <laughs> okay. Well, it <laughs> yes. was in the Outdoor Wire. Uh, it was. It was. Wire. I, I read well, both it. announcements actually yeah. were. Uh, so was the yeah. so was the Sitka. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, that was what I was referring to the the change in ownership. Yeah, so um, it has been my mission, if you will, the last couple of years to fulfill your dad's desire to move away from the financial side of the company. He doesn't want to be away from the company in the aspect of, of squashing his desire to develop a product or help us work on a product or even promote the company and be out and like he's out here this weekend helping doing 
shaking the hands and talking to the guys in the industry that he knows. Um, but just the day-to-day responsibility that goes with the side of it with the financial and, and also setting him up and launching him into retirement, if you will, so that he can live a life of a retired guy that, that, that worked hard for so many years and can financially afford that. Um, and when I first got involved with the company, one of my best buddies back from uh, the Midwest that I knew growing up told me, he said, Kurt, when you get involved with that, if you have any aspirations of ever being part owners or something, he says, don't work at it so hard that you create a position where you can't afford to buy it. I said, oh, that'll never happen. I'll be fine. No, baloney. <laughs> it happened. Um, so I'm, I'm fortunate enough to know a lot of great guys. Mike is one of them. But um, we've uh, formed a group of three of us together to buy the company. And... Um, that's about as simple as it gets because there's no other change. Yep. Um, other than, like I said, from day to day, the financial burden comes on us, not on your parents any longer. And we can free your dad of that burden and um, call upon him for some R&D stuff, call upon him for promotional. We'll handle the day-to-day finances. <laughs> and uh, we'll... You just have, I think Amazon has that monthly shipment thing that you can get it on a scheduled shipment. So mm-hmm. you probably just ship him a, a bucket of Bondo every month and yeah. turn him loose and say, bring us new products. And, and uh, yes, there's, there, I have a whiteboard in my office and it's from top to bottom. There's probably a half a dozen things that, uh, that we've turned him loose on and, and some of them are uh, things that are going to happen fairly soon and some of them I know are a couple, two or three years down the road. But yeah, that's, that's, that's the deal. Like you said, Randy, that officially went out on the outdoor wire three or four weeks ago and but it's it's been seamless i mean it simply is just some names on paper and some banking things and the rest of it is just there's no change there nobody will really even know that side of it just because we didn't want it yeah that was the purpose to change anything no it was just never nope restructure the financial side like i said your your dad is a a day or two older than me and (laughs) (laughs) was, was ready to uh to uh Take that next step, yep. if you will, as far as retirement and, and, and getting out from underneath the financial financial side of it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So all these new products, Corey already just let one well, out yeah. of the bag. We saw it today when we were <laughs> down there and people were walking around with the new Sitka Bugle tubes. Yeah. Um, Yesterday was the first day we were officially, um, we officially launched it, launched it for sale. Yesterday, yeah. That's yeah. been a long, long time coming. You know, we did yeah. the Linguist Project with Sitka back in 2016. And as part of that, they had the idea, we want to create a custom Sitka cover for bugle tubes. And we'd like to, to talk to somebody at Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls. Who should we call? I said, we'll call Kurt. I'll call him for you and let him know that you're calling. And they said, I don't remember what they ordered, 100 or 200 bugle tubes. They built the covers for them, and it was to promote their new subalpine pattern that was launching that same same mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. And so we hunted with them in 2016, and then in 2017 they officially launched the pattern on the on the gear. And they had these 200, I think it was 200 bugle tube covers made with the with the Bully Bull Extreme bugle tube. Yep. And they might have used 20 or 30 of them for promotional things. And they called me and said, "Hey." We, we got our use out of them. Do you want the rest of these? Which, of course, I said, yes, please. <laughs> and they said, you can't sell them. You can't do anything other than just give them away for promotional things. So anything you want to do, you give them away for promotion. So we used them for free Friday giveaways on Instagram. We used them at little contests we did, anything that we could do to, to promote them. 
And it didn't take very long to start getting the messages and the emails coming through. How can I get one? Did you yes. just cut a sleeve off of a shirt? What did you do to create that? <laughs> I want one. I will pay whatever it takes. I mean, I had a guy offer me $100 just for the cloth off of mine to put on his bugle tape. <laughs> yep. Yep. And I didn't give him one of the free ones either. And that's, I mean, that's how, how limited they were. Right. And we stretched those for the last two and a half years. And I have officially given away the last promotional one. And through all that, I think I, I'm busy with a lot of different things. Elk calls are not my business. And I worked with Sitka and uh, tried to, tried to make things happen, which you know, Sitka's a big company. There's a lot of legal things when it comes to using their, their uh, patterns. So anyway, long story short, I handed the ball to Kurt and said, I opened the door, you run with it. And <laughs> Kurt made the deal happen with Sitka. They got licensed. Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls is now officially licensed for the subalpine pattern on one product. And uh, it's pretty exciting to yeah. be able to meet the demand that that created over yeah. the last couple it, of years. It has, been, um, it has been a long time coming. It's been a customer service nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Telling people no. Because we couldn't, we couldn't, they say, well, how do we get one? Well, you need to follow Elk 101. You need to pay attention to Corey because he's going to give one away and uh, hope that you win one because that's the criteria for which they are. And um, like Corey said, the the guys at Sitcom Go are are super, super nice. I've, I've, started a relationship with those guys at the first of the year. And, and I'll admit, I tried to use, again, the business side of me to said, well, let's, let's try to utilize some relationships to figure out what, what they're looking for to get a license because there's products out there in subalpine before Rocky Mountain was able to do a bugle tube. Um, whether it's bows or backpacks or whatever. And so I did, I leaned on Corey a little bit and he, he pushed a button or two and it didn't, it did the, the light didn't come on with that switch. And uh, the guys with RMEF, wonderful relationship and partnership with Sitka and all that goes with that. And we kind of, uh, we kind of leaned on that a little bit. And then, and, and goes back to what we said earlier, guys, I kind of decided there is no plan B. <laughs> it's plan A. For an <laughs> so what do we do here? And I said, you know what? And I told Corey, I think we had a conversation on the phone, Corey. I said, you know, this is, this is not your responsibility. It's my responsibility as the GM of Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls to make it happen. Mm. So what do I need to do to do that? So I checked around on the, with a few other guys about who would be the point of contact, uh, the, who somebody could make it happen. And when I started to reach out to those, those guys within the big game department at Sitka, I found out that they wanted this to happen as much as, as, much as, as, any, did, yeah. as, much as anybody did. And in fact, I teased their... Uh, their um, uh, marketing guy, one well at ATA. In fact, I took a tube out there because the only sleeve you ever let me have, Corey. And I took it to ATA, and the guy he said, "Oh, I've wanted one forever. Can I have that?" And I, I held it out to him and took it away. And I said, "No, you cannot." <laughs> I said, "This one's mine." In case this never now happens, you know how everyone else. That's feels. right. Now you know how everybody else feels. And uh, but but the guys were great. Uh, they went to work with legal at Gore, and we worked it back and forth for about ninety days and. And uh, we finally put the deal together, and um, we've actually had the agreement in place since the first of April. But that doesn't mean just because I had yeah. a contract that says you guys can do this with and coordinate it with the the Bully Bull Extreme that where did the covers come from? <laughs> so then we had then I had to get involved with all the intricacies of of sourcing the material through 
uh, Sitkin where they get it and get it here and, and uh, get, oh, get, assemble get, it on the get tubes. the suits get the sleeves built first and uh, we were we it, it to us it's kind of funny but um, we we staged we knew we had a limited run on this first rip I mean we do I mean there's there's only so many of them out there and when they're gone they're gone and we're gonna work for getting more but we don't know when that day is gonna be when we see them next we may not get through 2019. Uh, and be able to offer another one when this first run on yeah. on. It may be something that happens hmm. after the first of the year. We're trying, but I, I, no promises. But we staged tw- about 2,500 tubes in the factory that we put together naked, if you will, um, and just staged them to anticipate all ha- hands on deck when we got these. And we, we knew that this would be a perfect place to launch it. So we set ourselves up for failure, <laughs> but we got through it. And, and when the, when the covers landed in Kamii and we started the, the team of guys that do the assembly and the gals there at the factory to put them together, we, we went to work selling them, uh, to distribution, mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's um, the guys at Black Ovis, uh, whether it's the guys at Sportsman's Warehouse or whoever to get that message out. Because the last thing we wanted to do as a company was to turn them loose for sale and not not honor our um, partnerships with retailers Retailer, and okay. give them a chance to not and have it come up as a surprise. Yeah, Because uh, they're placing orders right now or, or previously for orders to be shipped right now for hundreds or thousands of these tubes. And they might order them and realize, hey, I wanted 500 of those in the Sitka cover. Exactly. And so that conversation had to happen it had ahead to. of having the it tubes ready. To. It had to. And we set ourselves um, strategically up for a launch um, yesterday, officially, and then um, made them available here on the, on the grounds to buy from us at our display here. And then come Monday, uh, everybody will have free reign to yep. to advertise them and sell them but for now it's a captive deal we're gonna they're only for sale right here and all of our vendors know that and they worked with us to do that and, and there was some strategy involved in that we've got some great partners in canada and Corey, i don't know if you know it, but you got a big following up there too and they those guys know the elk 101 brand they know your products they know they want that and um we've shipped a, a pile of them up to the bass pro cabela's is up there which again for strategy reasons, we actually had to fill, fill that order first, and it had <laughs> oh. to leave on a freight truck headed to Canada because of all the international stuff yeah. to get it. So they'll have them available. So yeah, it's been a it's been a uh, it's been a great a great deal for us. I think it's going to be a home run for everybody. Um, but there's been some intricacies in 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 announcing it and being able to provide it and hit all those deadlines. And so for the folks listening to this podcast, they are available online at this point. That's correct. Today with us sitting here, they're not available. By the time you hear this, they're available and hopefully they're not sold out, it sounds like. Hopefully not. Yeah. Yeah. And And so they'll be available just in limited uh, retail locations, mostly online retail, uh, but Mm -hmm. very limited initially until... That yep. next order comes in. But some of the key players that are big uh, retailers of the Sitka uh, clothing itself, yeah. they jumped on. And, and I don't know whether, you know, name and names of it, Sportsman's and Shields and stores like that. But but they're huge, huge partners with Sitka. Yep. And the, they're very interested. So there'll be some uh, 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 that show up on some pegs. But uh, yep. obviously. And online, I think. Online, they're, 
Elk 101 store is the place to get them if you want to. Elk101.com. You don't need to cough like that, Corey. My goodness. Well, Kurt has to be careful because he's he's in a position where he can't play favorites to a retailer. I know that. So I was playing favorites and... With Kurt sitting here, I just coughed as a courtesy. Well, I get that, but I'm I'm dumb and ignorant to that kind of stuff, so I just blurted it out. We uh, it's our podcast. We did uh, secure a, a large quantity of yes bugle tubes that will be available on the Elkhorn store and the Sitka cool. Subalpine cover pad. Absolutely. So, other product development. You guys are always cooking something up, Kurt. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I went over and did the factory visit. There's all these things in different <laughs> stages of uh, this is like version 33 and whatever. And any peek behind the covers or behind the curtains that you want to talk about? Or is it just oh, like, no, no it's too, too top secret? No, nothing's top secret. I mean, we want people to be excited about um, the company and what we've done and obviously what we're going to be doing in the future. Um, I think we do elk very well. I think we do it very well. Mm -hmm. I think that speaks for itself. Uh, But we have a few things with the elk elk world that we're we're working on. A couple of those projects we're going to bring Corey in on and um, help develop. But I don't think we can reinvent the wheel, if you will, with that. And I don't think there's any need to. Um, But there's a few things that will come later uh, with that so I think what our focus is going to be is um, some of the other categories for Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls. We're not just one-dimensional. Yeah. Um, we have we have we released a brand new line of turkey calls this year, mm-hmm. and 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 it hurt. And I'll tell you why it hurt is because we had to concede a year ago after multiple years of trying desperately to make a relevant turkey call that a pallet plate style turkey call is not the best turkey call a flat diaphragm makes the best turkey call. And so we got involved with some guys that had won some titles with some turkey call stuff. And we turned loose a new, uh, three new flat turkey calls this last year. And they kind of caught fire. They were phenomenal. And they were phenomenal. And we have mm. had nothing but wicked success. So we know in going into 2020, we've got that snowball and that, that's, that's going to be uh, great for us. And we don't look to take that whole thing over. We just want to have some relevance in the turkey business uh, with some great outstanding calls. I think we've done that. Um, one of the other areas that we've been very successful with, um, but kind of flies under the radar, unless you're a hardcore predator guy, is our predator stuff. Mm-hmm. And so we have some very exciting stuff that we'll be coming out with um, in 2020 with that. Um, and uh, some of that I, I don't really want to let out of the bag yet. But I will tell you guys, we, we're going to introduce some stuff that's special, um, some things that you haven't seen before from from the predator call world um that'll be uh people want to have they'll want to have those uh, whether it's in their pocket or lanyard around their neck or whatever you want to say but in the in the handheld predator market we're gonna we're gonna have some things that people haven't seen before we're very excited about that um those those have been through um the the testing stage if you will and we've failed with some models and some examples and then we've kind of stirred the pot to where we've come out with the right recipe for what we think is going to be a very, very positive move for us in that, in that area. And like I spoke with you guys earlier, um, 
having somebody like Mike involved with the whitetail, that's that's going to be a no-brainer. Yeah. We'll we'll have some really cool whitetail stuff too. We got a guy that um, worked with one of the most successful whitetail call manufacturers for years with with Dave and Harold from Night and Hale. Um, those guys have now retired and gone off to do different things, and Night and Hale doesn't exist anymore at a capacity like they used to. Um, but Mike worked with him for years, and he's he knows some some uh, things that uh, a lot of guys don't know about whitetail. So, <laughs> so we're working on some of that stuff as well. So I, I, like I said, we're not one-dimensional. Uh, we know what we do well, and we know what we do best is elk, and we'll never forget that. Um, but I think uh, our customers deserve um, a Rocky Mountain hunting call in those other areas that, uh, that participate in hunting that's not elk. Yeah. And we're going to try to provide... A great product for them there, too. So when you invest all this time and effort in R&D and version 1 through 20, and then you it's like pushing the boat away from the dock, is there some apprehension of, is this boat going to sink or is this boat going to float? Oh, there's always that, right? <laughs> there's always that. Sleepless nights. And, and, it, and it, it's, again, there's there's many variables in that. And, and if it's the product that you thought you had didn't resonate with the the buyer or the consumer you thought you were targeting, if your marketing efforts, you know, to, to target the right guy or gal or whatever for that product, you didn't hit a home run with that, you don't see the successes. I mean, our, our turkey calls are a prime example of that. I mean, we held on to the fact that we should be able to make a really good turkey diaphragm because doggone it, we make really good elk calls. <laughs> and uh, we had to come to the realization that, you know, we didn't make that great of a turkey call. Hmm. It, it, was, it worked. Guys killed birds with them. But it just didn't compete at the level that some of the master call builders did in that area. Hmm. And so Until this year. Until this year. And now, we've had, and now we've had master call builders use our calls and give us kudos. Said, guys, you, you did it. Yep. You did it right. You, you make a, an awesome turkey call. It's got to be hard, though, to swallow what, you know, kind of walk away from the date that brought you to the prom you know, <laughs> and say, you know what, this date just is not going to get it done. I know it, it is. It is. But again, again, at the end of the day, uh, speaking to exactly what you said, Randy, it's, it's you, you, we always have to fall back on what brought us and that's the elk stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, if our p- customers continue to be loyal and patient like they are, they will uh, they'll tolerate a less than wonderful turkey call, which they've done. Yep. But boy, when you get one in their mouth, it's, it's like the ones we got now. Then you, and the emails come and the well, social that's media stuff. The cool part is you've got a, an elk call. You've got a loyal following, uh, mm-hmm. a big following of big elk time. callers who love the elk calls, but a lot of them hunt coyotes. A lot of them hunt turkeys. And they have to go and yeah. buy something else, another brand off of the shelf, and they feel unloyal, and they, they want it. And so to be able to offer quality in each of those categories is, I mean, just another huge step forward in continuing that snowball of, of loyalty and of even beyond customers, retail who now is getting the demand from customers saying, where are the Rocky Mountain hunting call turkey calls? Yeah. And they say, well, we don't carry the turkey one. What? They're, right. they're the best turkey calls there are. We, we need to carry those. And so that's, I mean, that's how retail, if enough customers come in, 
asking yep. for it. Retail's going to call you yep. and you make your job easier because now they're calling you asking for the product yep. instead of you having to knock their door down to deliver it. And Create the demand. Yep. And uh, the best way I know to do that is to make a really good product. Yep. <laughs> and it'll, it'll create it. Well, <clears throat> one other thing I want to talk about, and this is the amount of effort, energy, commitment you've shown, Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls has shown to the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. Right. You, you guys have said, we are here for you. We are a call company that is vested in the elk world, what you are doing as your mission. And I got to see that because I was on the board of directors. Yes. And when you're on that side of the fence, you'd look at it and say, who, who's here supporting us? Who, who's here with us through thick, through thin? Who has got a long-term vision of where the Elk Foundation is going and they want to be part of that? And uh, I don't think it's by accident that Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls ends up being that entwined, if you want to call it that, that strong of a relationship with the Elk Foundation. Yeah, it was, that was, again, that was one of my aspirations, if you will. I don't know if I set it myself as a goal because I didn't even know if it was a reality. Um, you're, you're swimming in a pond with some awful big fish. <laughs> yeah. And you, you talk about some of the people and some of the brands and companies in this industry that support Rocky Mountain Oak Foundation. Well, not, not just support, but the official sponsor, official partner level. Of, yes. Of that's, yeah. that's there, a there's big a, commitment. There's a, there's a level of prestige um, I, I personally yeah. feel uh, to be to be considered for that mm -hmm. because it, it isn't just walk up and see who can write the biggest check to be to be a part of that and the process that that uh, that you guys did Randy speaking to when you were on the board uh, to find a call manufacturer to be a part of it uh, I respected that because we didn't just go into a one-dimensional meeting. I mean, there was literally several call companies um, interested and poised to to become a partner. But I think the uh, passion we have for it, the passion we have for conservation, the love of it, shown through enough that we've they felt like if we would invest in them, they would invest in the relationship, and we've done that. And uh, I'm telling you guys, it, it, is, it is awesome yeah. to, be, to be, you know, listed like that and yeah. to see your logo as part of an event like this or whatever um just because of what they really do and and if it wasn't for what they're doing we wouldn't be selling elk calls there wouldn't be you know <laughs> right. I mean, their efforts have been phenomenal yeah well as someone who sits on the board you don't get involved in day-to-day -day decisions but the the excellent staff of the elk foundation works with people like you and partners, they have their criteria they go through and then they kind of tell the board, well, this is kind of who we've selected and why and the criteria. And it's not a process where they just, like you said, go, well, this person's got the biggest check. So they're going to, they're, they're going to be our official partner. Uh, the staff at the Elk Foundation takes this really, really serious. They're all hunters. They use all kinds of product. They know. They can sort through real quickly who's committed to the mission and who's just 
trying to tap into their 225,000 yeah. members. And get, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I, it's been fun to watch that relationship yeah. that, as you and, and I'm not sure who you work with on the staff there, but the, um, you know, it's... Bob Swanson Bob, is the guy. Bob okay. is a stud. I, he is, yeah. and him and I have got to be very close friends in yeah. this, in this as a bonus to working together with what they do. Yeah. But like what you were saying, Randy, one of the cool things was when we were talking in the very infancy of whether or not it would work, um, we had a little bit of an outside influence, if you will, because they would they spoke to how many people are involved with the RMEF, whether it's on their television show or whatever they do, that are true elk hunters, mm-hmm. that always mentioned our brand as the call they used. <laughs> yeah. So, and I mean, all we did there was make a, a good L call that people liked. So that was, they were kind of like the silent cheerleader for Rocky Mountain hunting calls when it come down to yeah. what makes the most sense for this relationship. Well, all these guys use those calls and why wouldn't we at least entertain yeah. what that looked like? Wow. Yeah. For- for me, anyhow, I, I pay so much attention to who's supporting conservation. I, I'd, I mean, if it was back in the day when my wife and I were buying diapers, I'd look to see which diaper company was supporting <laughs> conservation. That, that's how much it means to me. And I think a lot of our listeners, they want to know who is going the extra mile, who who's in it. You know, m- making a commitment versus just making a donation is a difference. Yeah. And, and- Companies make commitments for the long term and the vision. It allows the Elk Foundation to build their future knowing, hey, people got our back. People are going to be there for us so they can go do this really important work for access for elk habitat, for whatever. And we we have eight products that we have in their licensing program that I don't know if people know it, but when they go buy a product with that RMEF logo on it, part of their money goes right back to the foundation. Right. And we have eight products. We're proud to have eight products on shelves all over the country that when um, they buy those, we turn around and write a check in addition to other things that we help donate, or um, not donate, but contribute to the partnership um, as, as, a, as an extra. And the more Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls grows, the more those products are purchased, the more dollars come back to conservation for the yeah. guys at RMEF. And we're all, we're all over that. Yeah. I love that. Well, they just announced tonight at the at the banquet. We sat there at the dinner, and they, they talked about a project in Montana that they were adamant that they support, and they needed to raise two and a half million dollars to half. be able to purchase a huge tract of land that had recently been blocked off. And I, I forget how many thousands and tens of thousands of acres of public land behind it were completely choked off the because of this gate. 26,000 acres. 26,000 acres of public land that had been available and now shut off because a gate had run up across the road and there was nothing anybody could do about it. So the Elk Foundation took the lead and said, We've need, we need to raise money. We need to buy that land. And, and they open put themselves that. under a time frame. Yeah, by, the end, by the end of the year. Before elk season 2019. Well, that that was uh, well, that, <laughs> that that that's what ended up happening. As of that's today, right. that's right. It took them nine months. They they brought in that money from the support of members of the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, and they are working to purchase that land and have that gate opened by opening day opening of elk day season, season this year. Yeah, which yeah. is huge. Huge. That's, people don't understand the the minimal amount of obstacles it takes to shut off public land. 
and the effort that's required to overcome those obstacles that the Elk Foundation puts as their mission for us and for elk. Absolutely. Yeah, that, yeah. and uh, to, to add to that, Corey, there's often the misconception that the Elk Foundation holds title to yeah. the land, and they don't. And mm-hmm. As quick as that deal closes, that land, wherever the instance might be, sometimes it's the BLM, and they, they deed it over to the BLM right away. Land. Or they deed it over to the Forest Service right away, or to a state game agency. So a lot of people think, oh, the Elk Foundation's sitting on all this land. No, they, <laughs> the only land they really have is their headquarters. And they don't buy land. And, because it's it's private land at that point, and that's mm-hmm. not their mission. Their mission is public land. Public, yeah. yeah. So well, that's I, not their mission. But that's the that's the goal in in these access deals is to create public access. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as someone who sat on the board for six years, I can assure you that without the the absolute foundational support of critical partners within the industry. Uh, you guys being on Kurt, and I, there's so many that yeah. really, oh, yeah. really love the Elk Foundation. But when you're doing your planning at a high-level conservation project or projects and say, we've got a five-year mission for this and this and this, if you don't have that foundation of support from those companies in your industry who buy into what you're doing, you're, you, everything's tenuous. You you aren't going to take some of these risks. You aren't going to go out and say, we can get that done because, well, what if we got to make payroll next week? You know? <laughs> right. The Elk Foundation is beyond that point. And it's because of so many, well, volunteers of donors and corporate, uh, 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 not corporate, but industry support. And so I, I hope people listen and understand that it's, that there's like multiple legs to this stool of conservation. Right. And every one of us have a role to play. And that's why, yeah, like I said, if someone was selling diapers that supported conservation, I'm that much of, of a supporter for the cause of conservation that I, I've, <laughs> I'd go advertise for those diapers. <laughs> but so Randy, is, is it appropriate now for me to plug in and I'm, I'm on the, on the, uh, down the road anyways on this from from where you are on it but you are uh, you've got a special url if somebody wanted to sign up for a membership to the rocky mountain elk foundation can we yeah wall su- share that wall supplies last yeah so uh gerber uh and the rocky mountain elk foundation this summer are doing a promo and they're trying to see how many memberships they can sell and so it's rmef.org like their website forward slash gerber and you go there, you sign up, and they send you a $40 Gerber Vital knife. With the RMEF logo. With the RMEF logo on it and everything. So you can't afford not to. Yep. Right. You get a knife worth more than what the You what spend the $35 does. for a membership. You're a yeah. year, your membership for the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. That money goes to projects just like that one at Falls Creek in Montana to open up access to conserve elk and elk habitat and... You get a forty dollar knife. Yeah, so, yeah. When you told me about that, I thought, well, why, why didn't I get invited to help be a part of that? And so <laughs> I don't know, Corey. I they know. figured you're really busy or well, something. Well, they, they figure I'm sitting there just twiddling my thumb. I guess so. They be. said, let's give Randy something to do this summer. <laughs> no, it's a phenomenal opportunity for yeah. somebody who's on the fence and thinking thirty five dollars is a lot of money. I need to buy a knife for this season. Now you can kill two elk with one stone. Wow, two elk with one stone. Well, I like, did you catch that, Kurt? <laughs> I did. He, he well, in Idaho, that we in can there, get like, two elk tags. So okay. Yeah. 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 Well, we and, and that gets to a point a lot of people say, well, what can I do for conservation? Uh, a $35 membership 
it might, there's a lot of people are like, well, that's not going to make a difference. <laughs> well, when the Elk Foundation and the, I chaired the, the board's government affairs committee. So when we're dealing on policy issues at, when I was there and, and even today, when you show up in DC and say, you know, we've got 225,000 real avid members and 12,000 volunteers, every senator, every congressman, Every secretary of whether it's interior ag or whatever is going to listen to you. Yep. So every one of you who are listening, you're just cumulatively all those memberships, even if they're only $35 membership, give the Elk Foundation a pretty big bat to swing with when yep. it comes to representing our conservation mm -hmm. interests, our wildlife interests. And so Spend if you're wondering- $35 and add your voice to, yeah. to what we do. Right. Yeah. And- so it's, but it, it's just fun to watch how industry supports it, uh, private people support it, you know, some private landowners. Like, well, a lot of these projects that get done, the private landowners seek out the Elk Foundation and say, we know you're a trusted group. We, we want to do business with you. And a lot of times they leave a lot of money on the table. They, you know, you think about this. They're trying this, to get top dollar in real estate. They say, we want to be involved in, in yeah, making this happen. The, the project you refer to, uh, that family could have sold it for a pot full of money. I mean, think about, hey, here's my 640 acres. It controls 20,000 acres. Yeah. Think about what that could sell for in the open market to yeah. control 20,000 acres of premium <laughs> elk and mule deer habitat. That, so it's just, it's great that, that it's uh, an opportunity. The Elk Foundation represents this vehicle where all of us can contribute in many different ways. Yeah, very much so. so That's cool because... You know, for us with the Elk Talk podcast, Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls, Gerber, the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, those are all supporters of our podcast who tie back together into conservation. And so I think just that synergy there of being like-minded and it just working together makes a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what, what call are you going to send me that, Randy, you know, you're kind of below average, but we got something that'll up your game here. <laughs> is, is it, you got something that's going because I have two calls that my camera guys know, don't touch those. Those are Randy's. And so if, and they, they'll say it's, he's, he's got a whole pile of those blue ones with the brass that look like they're brass and gold. I'm like, yeah, don't be touching my reapers, man. You, you, the if, reapers, you yeah. if, if you want to get fired, just mess with my my stash, man. <laughs> we have plenty uh, of those if that's your 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 diaphragm of choice. It, it is, and it's because when I was out at the factory there, Rocky was having me blowing things. He's like, open your mouth. And, <laughs> you know, Rocky being Rocky, he's just like, matter of fact, I mm -hmm. felt like I was at the doctor's office or something. And like, let me like, looking around. And like, man, you got a big mouth. I'm like, yeah, I know that. <laughs> I mean, the audience knows that, right? But he found one that was a little bit wider and a little bit flatter for the fact that my mouth is yeah. shaped differently. And all of a sudden it's like, huh. I am a good elk caller after all. I, I'm not very good, but I, I'm better than bad yeah. anyhow now. Yeah. Uh, so, well, that's one of the things we, that, that he taught me in, in the beginning was not everybody has the same mouth. So we make uh, almost a ridiculous amount of diaphragms <laughs> for sizes mm -hmm. with Corey, your, your, your elk 101 line is a is a a higher raised dome than than the one Randy's referring to in our yep. new GTP line. There's the original palaplate versions. Um, 
Some of them are wider, some of them are narrower, but because everybody does have a different mouth. But right. so there is, even though it seemed weird, Randy, there's there's mm-hmm. science in that. And mm-hmm. if you would watch us at like our events when we do these public events, like we're here with a a, a booth and stuff, mm-hmm. we do that a lot. Yeah. We look in somebody's mouth and say, "Oh yeah, you're with the palace. It's if it's super high arch, and man, these elk one woolen calls will be right for you." But so you got a really flat mouth. You need to create an app where somebody can send a picture of their mouth and it will automatically <laughs> pick the diaphragm for them. That is, that is or an a selection idea chart. Maybe they could just say, we've up. got a tall, narrow palate. Which diaphragms would fit me best? Because it is, that's, you know, when you come to a, a show and somebody says, I can't use a diaphragm, you spend five minutes with them just figuring out why they can't use it. And 90% of the time, it's they fit. can use a diaphragm really well yeah. if they get the right one. It's the fit. Yeah. yeah. I, I bring that up because of my own personal example. I struggled with diaphragms forever. And the, and then back to my reference earlier about information, I think hopefully listeners who might be saying, well, I've never been able to use a diaphragm. Well, if they would research, okay, yeah. here's the whole product line of different sizes and shapes and yeah. profiles that Rocky Mountain Hunting Call have, they're probably going to find something that works and they're going to have that same aha moment of, oh, <laughs> you can do this. Did you hear yeah. that? I sounded like an elk. <laughs> yeah. For anybody that's out there and they, they hop on our website to get information, they'll notice that every diaphragm we have, we have it listed as a novice, an intermediate, or an advanced caller. And that was one of those things that Mike brought to my attention a couple years ago. He's like, Kurt, we make all these diaphragms, and for, you're, we don't, you know, how does a guy know what to pick? There's so many. And, I, and a light came on because we get so many customer service calls about, I'm new to diaphragms, what should I use? Or I've used this with success, uh, what, what would be next for me? And that was kind of one of those things that I never, I never thought about because of, again, being too close maybe to the relationship to what we're doing with the product. And Mike says, why don't we do that? And we did. And, and now we have it on the packaging and it's on our, our website as well. So somebody uh, can get on there and look at them. So the Reaper decide. that Randy uses, is that a novice? <laughs> Got to be if I'm using it. You know, honestly, it's not. Well, that Reaper a, is not a is novice. It, is it advanced? It is a intermediate call. Okay. So is Randy an intermediate caller because of that? I'm no, I'm, I'm below average. Remember, I'm below average at everything. I'm I, I'm you striving quit saying to be that. You're, you're just too used to telling your wife that to get you out of mowing the yard. And True, you but I'm, I'm, I'm below average at that. Yeah, exactly. See, <laughs> like I've said, how many times? The only thing I excel at is not quitting. I'm just too bullheaded to quit. So when you can get a lot of, you can cover a lot of distance in life by just refusing to quit. And back to that plan B. In my entire life, I've never had a plan B. I, when you said, Kurt, that I didn't know what a plan B was, that's the way I've approached my life. People are like, well, how did you build this business and that business? How did you get into this industry? Huh? I said, I'm going to do it. I didn't say, well, if it doesn't work out, I'm going to go back yeah. and do this. And so you do I, that, it's too easy to turn around when you have an obstacle, when yeah. you have an out, and so you just right. don't give yourself an out. So I'm living proof that below average still can get you somewhere in life. I mean, not as far <laughs> out there as if you were above average, but whether it's below average elk caller, below average hunter, below whatever. What, what was it, from Alice in Wonderland, where there, there, I don't remember if it's the cat or the rabbit, I, don't, I haven't watched it for a long time, but said uh, something about the, the fact of... Uh, how do I get there? Or, you know, what road do I take? Where do you want to go? Well, I, I don't know. Well, then it doesn't matter which road you take. Right. <laughs> you don't know where you're going. You can just take any road. And just yeah. As long as you stay on that road, you're going to get somewhere. Uh, so true. <laughs>
Well, are you yeah. excited for the season coming up, Kurt? You got some fun stuff, or I are do. you just I too have, busy working? No, 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 no. I got a couple of cool hunts I'm doing, and um, I'm excited. I'm excited about Good. it. Good. Yeah, we've got all. Uh, so in our office, we are doing hunts in September. <laughs> it's crazy. I, I've got camera guys scattered all over. We've got a Nevada elk hunt. We've got multiple Montana elk hunts. Got Wyoming elk hunts. It's like if someone wanted to come and rob my office. September would be the month to do it because there's going to be nobody there. It wouldn't be until October that we filed the police report that we've been burglarized because no one's going to be back till then. So we're excited. Our crew has been yeah. practicing and uh, researching. And yeah, that's what it says on our whiteboards, the year yeah. of the elk. Well, I'm, yep, I'll spend a little time with a bow in my hand in Idaho. And then uh, I, got, I got fortunate enough to get uh, Montana decided I was worthy of having one of their permits. So oh. we're Mike, Mike also drew that. We're going to venture over into your neck of the woods and uh-huh. see what Montana has to offer. And cool. And then there's always that backup Idaho one there, Corey. If yeah. everything goes great, there's always that other one that they'll get let another us get one. Idaho yeah. and try it. Try a little bit more of it. So yeah, well, it must have been a good year for Montana because I drew one of those eight hundred dollar grouse permits myself. <laughs> <laughs> I go over and hunt grouse with Randy with an elk license in my pocket. Uh, you know, he, this year he decided he's not coming in archery season because that's I'm hoping the, the grouse will be hibernating uh, by the time a, I get that, there. See, that, he wouldn't admit that until just now, Kurt. But I said, well, why not October? Well, I'm kind of busy. And, and, uh, and then he's like, well, what, what's the grouse situation in November? I'm like, oh, they're all gone. They're either migrated up high, the blue grouse or the roughs are down. Yeah, you never see them in november he called me back about an hour later why don't we do november because <laughs> he gets tired of my distractions so it's all right it's I safe to say hand. that one probably won't be with a stick and a string then it, we're no. gonna we're gonna take rifles yeah and yeah. i've uh, in my life i have shot one elk with a rifle so this will yeah. be a uh, an adventure we've got 12 llamas is that right 12 well, llamas Bo says he wants to bring 12 and Randy was talking about these. He's got two heated wall tents, and I got really excited. And he said, and they'll be for, like, changing clothes and cooking and cooking. eating in. Yeah. But we'll sleep in regular tents. And I'm thinking, uh-uh. No. I'll, I'll eat out in the snow, but I'm going to sleep in a heated well, tent at night. Uh, absolutely. He'll probably let you and Donnie and Matt from Onyx sleep in that heated tent. But he, like last year when we did it, the Gerber guys came with us. He's like, hey, Randy, I only have room for the Gerber guys in the <laughs> wall tent. So <laughs> so you and the camera guys Me and the outside. camera guys, we pitched our tents out there, and we were over there <laughs> shivering with our chicklets <laughs> chattering. And, hey, but, open the door to the wall tent. It's getting awful hot in here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what you'd yeah. hear. Or you'd hear them in the morning like, oh, man, it's nice to have dry socks in the <laughs> <laughs> we're over there like putting on clammy stuff that had froze overnight and so that's so i mean taking yeah. llamas and having a heated wall tent sounds like a cush hunt but we're going to be going over a pass that's what nine thousand feet mm-hmm. in november there it's, i was gonna say i've hunted montana in november yeah, we're gonna you, sometimes the word winter <laughs> got <laughs> <invented. to> mind. <laughs> yeah. that side of the rocky mountains i think that might be yeah. you know for us in the united states they yeah. may have invented the word winter <laughs> <laughs> well i'll go check it out before we head in there because I'm sure it, you it, will if looking I, for grouse if I, no if i climb up there and it's that that tough wait, wait we'll, a minute we'll find plan b I, i'm not gonna did, post did you not say through. that grouse migrate to higher elevations in november yeah. yeah bluegrass too 
And is it coincidence that you're taking us up over a 9,000 foot pass? Uh, no, because I'm when I'm going over a 9,000 foot pass, I'm looking to get back down to 7,000 feet. With okay. grouse those, in your backpack. No, those, that's the one time a blue grouse is safe. Does your I'm wife tra- know that? No, don't okay. tell her. My wife has a <laughs> grouse problem. But, yeah. No, it'll be fun. It will. It, you know, I, for the following year, though, you got to promise me that we can hunt in a bugling situation yep. so I can I've been trying take more notes. Corey to tag up with me and do that I last give decade. Anything to I know. We just haven't made that Stretch work. the rut out another month. Yeah, I wouldn't go no, year round me. because we'd all be broke and divorced if elk rutted year round. But <laughs> if we could get two months right. out of it, that would. I think yeah, we could walk yeah. the line there. Well, this year in, our, in uh, Montana, our rifle or uh, archery season goes to mid October, and they're usually still bugling there. Yep. Yeah, yeah. If you can, it seems to me, I maybe I'd be interested in what you guys think. But when I see a bunch of elk acting crazy in October. They can almost be crazier ruddy when there's just one estrus cow that came yeah. into a late cycle than when there's multiple to choose from. Yep. You mm-hmm. can definitely tell which herd has the estrus cow <laughs> that is in a second cycle. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's crazy how how vocal they get in October yeah. when they're turned on. There's a greater risk they're not going to be vocal, but... Yep. No, no. We'll, we'll make it happen. Maybe, maybe we can invite Kurt to come with us and there you go three of us can well, go and if stay I'm in not, heated wall if, tents if i'm not mistaken randy you can tell me uh-huh. but if i don't kill one with my bow in september uh-huh. <laughs> i would still have a tag in my pocket <laughs> there you go <laughs> in the great state of montana uh, when you buy an 800 hundred dollar grouse license you can hunt elk from september through the end of november yeah, that's right season closes december 1st this year oh Ooh, yeah i might be picking, picking somebody's brain if it doesn't come together with a bow in <laughs> september <laughs> <laughs> well you just give me a call i'm i'm usually looking for people who want to go for a hike in the woods in november <laughs> <laughs> you might want to go talk to those Gerber guys who hunted with no, me last I was year. Say, there's a reason you're always looking for somebody yeah, to hunt with. I bet, I bet. <laughs> they didn't have a lot to show for their efforts. They tried hard, but yeah. uh, well, Kurt, I'm I know you're busy at this event. I'm glad you could take a little bit of time and break away with oh. us. There. But one thing I want to do is, Corey, I want to officially congratulate you on winning another world championship today. Thank you. Yes. It's, uh, it never gets old, but at the same time, I'm getting older, and mm. the stress is <laughs> every year the competition ratchets up. And the Elk Foundation, three years ago, made a decision that they were going to make the world championships bigger and better and put in a lot of effort into it, and their efforts have shown. Have they not? We, there are more callers coming out of the woodwork that I've never heard of that are germane. Um, won the men's division today. He's never he's never bugled here before. He's only entered one other calling contest and shows up and wins the men's division. He Corey, he literally bought diaphragms from us the day before the contest yeah. and used them yep. to win the men's yeah, division. Josh Fields got third in, in yeah. the pro division. And again, somebody I'd never met him. I'd never seen him before. And so yeah. there I know without a doubt. For every good caller that's here in the contest, there's a hundred callers out there that have never entered a contest. Mm-hmm. And it's fun to bring them out and to see what the Elk Foundation is doing, making this bigger and better and giving people a reason to, to come up. $43,000 in cash, cash and prizes, and prizes given out today. Wow. That's huge. 
Yeah. So yeah, I just uh-huh. it's a. Uh, you know, somebody said, well, you've, you've won a lot. It probably gets old. You probably never get nervous anymore. And anything that happened yesterday doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many times you've won it, how many, how many elk you've called in. You've got to go up there and beat some really good callers round by round. It's head-to-head now, which is a cool format and a cool bracket. And for those that watched it live on our Instagram mm-hmm. or Facebook channel today, uh, I think you saw the the excitement that it can bring because you're up on stage with your competitor. Yeah. And the Six loser feet apart. <laughs> the loser goes home. And so it's a uh, the fun part is at the end of the day we're all on the same team. We're all elk hunters. Yeah. And we shake hands and hug and it was cool to see all that. Yeah. Sportsmanship in that is phenomenal. Yeah, and if somebody does get the, you know, Tanya Harding, Nancy Kerrigan idea, a bugle tube to the knee usually doesn't stop you from bugling. So, <laughs> right. That's, uh, right. that's right. all in fun. Uh, so, but no, thank you. Well, I yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you're so well respected in that regard and it's a, it's a it's a pleasure to have you on our team helping develop product and, and having your skills involved and hopefully that gives the consumers confidence and and whatnot, because you don't always, you don't just do it on stage. You also prove that there's a value in what. There's another contest out there. There's another contest between you and an elk, and yep, and you get that done too. So yeah, wow, definitely hey. congratulate you. Thank yeah, you. congratulations, Corey, and anyone who thinks that Corey thinks he just walks in and this gets handed to him. I've known Corey a long time, and the most nervous maybe I've ever seen Corey was yesterday. <laughs> And I'm like, how you doing? He's like, have you seen that bracket I'm up against? He's yeah, like, no. those are the best elk callers in the world. And they are like really, really good. He said, I'm probably going to get cleaned. And they all <laughs> called very, very well. And any anybody in our bracket, honestly, anybody in the bracket I was in could have been in the finals. There, there's no doubt. There's just, that's how good the competition is. And 10 years ago, there were good callers. But not that deep in the brackets. Not not like it is now. It's it's fun to see. It's fun yeah. to see that we didn't used to practice. We used to call elk in September, and that was it. Now people are practicing elk calling year round and taking they it are. seriously. Yeah. Wow. Yep. There's a. It kind of has its own mini culture. It does. Uh, uh, that it's twelve months out of the year. Yep. People can share little social media videos back and <laughs> forth, and and it has its own culture. Yep. The competition side of it does. Well, I know you're showing accolades on Corey here, Kurt, but I did see quite a few Rocky Mountain hunting calls <laughs> up there on the podium. There were a few. <laughs> a few. I, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I believe we, uh, Corey won the men's. We got, you spoke of Josh Fields. He's one of our callers. He got third in, in the pros. We won all four positions in the men's all four of those were rocky mountain callers um the women's was second third and fourth we ended up with uh hannah the voice bugler gal uses one of our bugle tubes and then a new little fella that i had never met uh won the peewees and christopher and and uses a diaphragm as well as some men. That's, and when that he got little up guy there, is amazing. 10 years old, and I thought if he called in the professional division, he could walk through a bracket. He could. The finals. He, yep. could, he could beat people. Yep. And he's 10. <laughs> so, yeah, we did. There, Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls did pretty good today. Yeah, you did. Very good. Did I, good I know you, you're too humble to say that, but I will, I'm not. I thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thanks, guys. 
Yeah. Yeah, it was Thanks, fun. Kurt. Kurt, thank you. It was fun. Yes. I always thank appreciate, you appreciate your support for us, for, uh, for the podcast, for uh, everything related to the hunting industry you guys do, your support of conservation. It means a lot. Well, I'm not a very entertaining guy, but we'll we'll try to keep making the best elk calls in the world, and <laughs> you know, focus on that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sounds great. Well, thanks for listening, folks. Yep.